Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. Starting today, Japan, the world's top importer of liquefied natural gas, will be meeting with G7 nations and pushing them to endorse LNG's long-term future. See, for months, Japan has planned on using the G7 talks this weekend to secure language endorsing new natural gas shipments and production. But that's a controversial move that climate advocates say undermines the world's transition to renewable energy. Now, so far, European allies have shown resistance to Japan's push, but once again, the Biden administration finds itself in a tough place as it attempts to balance fossil fuel interests, green groups, and a key Pacific ally. So today we chat with Politico Zach Coleman about the details of Japan's LNG push, how the U.S. is responding, and the reaction from Greens. It's Friday, April 14th. Zach, G7 nations are meeting in Japan, and you're reporting how Japan wants to use the meetings as a way to endorse new natural gas expansion. So why are they pushing for that? What's their interest here? Well, they have a tremendous reliance on imported natural gas and oil. So I mean, one of the things here is this is a country that has perhaps more than any other in the G7 staked their present on fossil fuels. This is a country that after the Fukushima Daiichi meltdown in 2011, started to mothball their nuclear reactors that are slowly coming back online, and they had underinvested in solar and wind. Now, there is a plan from Japan's government to basically come up with a public-private plan to spend 1.1 trillion U.S. over the next 10 years decarbonizing their country, but a lot of that also goes into hydrogen and this technology called ammonia, where you would actually co-fire ammonia with coal-fired power plants to reduce emissions, and CCS. So stuff that is a little bit more gray than renewables, although renewables would certainly be a major part of that. They do intend to double their renewable capacity in the next decade. But this is starting from a much lower point than a lot of other countries in the G7 as well. Got it. So what exactly is Japan looking for G7 nations to agree to? You're reporting that the language it's pushing has evolved somewhat after opposition from key European countries, right? Yeah, so they're pushing for more natural gas infrastructure, basically saying that there is a huge premium on energy security. And you have to remember here, Japan does not have a ton of energy resources on their own that they're relying on right now. So they do rely on this imported energy. So for them, stressing the energy security picture here, following Russia's invasion of Ukraine and high energy prices and fears of energy shortages, it really benefits their national interests as well to say, well, look, everybody's dealing with this. It's the global South. It's not just us. This is the good for everybody. You can't just think about it from a G7 perspective. But for them, it's very much, yes, if we have more natural gas that actually could lower the prices for us, we could actually get more of it by having more supply going in the system. So it does advantage them parochially as well. And how is the Biden administration approaching this debate? It seems like this would be another sensitive one for them, given they're always trying to walk this line between fossil fuel groups and 
energy security and then pressure from environmentalists to do more on climate. Yeah. So the Biden administration, as well as European allies in the G7 and the UK have tried to push back on the language here at the G7 saying, look, this is about a particular point in time. We need to expand natural gas because of the invasion in Ukraine. And we need to get off of Russia's energy because that is fueling Vladimir Putin's war machine. You know, that is kind of the the rhetoric here. And that is where you see a lot of the haggling going on, that we should ground this energy security statement in the context of this war, which hopefully will not last for much longer, though there is no real end in sight. So what really has environmental activists concerned is, well, if you start saying expand natural gas infrastructure and production, even if it's just in response to this crisis, every country then is given kind of carte blanche to say, well, I mean, they said, even if it's just for now, we should be building natural gas because it's better for energy security. And there's no grand master sitting above all these countries tallying how much gas infrastructure you've built and saying stop when you've overbuilt and you put your carbon budget, your climate goals in jeopardy. That's the issue here. The activists are worried that by giving an endorsement to natural gas production, even in this limited window of time, that you will have then created projects that last for decades and blow far past the world's emissions limits. Right. And so what are environmental activists doing to keep the pressure on as they make that case you just laid out? So they're holding a lot of calls. They're raising a lot of alarms. They're sending a lot of letters. One letter was sent to Deputy National Security Advisor Mike Pyle. Over 100 environmental groups sent this letter saying that the U.S. should strenuously resist any calls to expand LNG infrastructure. They're worried that there's going to be this push towards building long-lived assets that contribute to fossil fuel and greenhouse gas emissions. Now, a lot of the countries that are in this conversation have backed things like hydrogen power. And there is some line of thinking, even within the Biden administration, that at a certain point in the future, you can retrofit natural gas infrastructure to burn cleaner, which is to burn hydrogen, which is going to be needed, a lot of people say, to bring down the carbon emissions of hard to decarbonize sectors like industry and shipping, things like that. So there is this kind of rhetorical flick at this idea that we can rein it all back in if we need to. But environmental groups are not necessarily assuaged by that, saying that's not proven technology at a mass scale. And either way, there's no real hook to make sure that that gas infrastructure gets switched to hydrogen when it would be needed to avoid the worst effects for the planet. Also, on Thursday, Progressive House Democrats in a letter urged the Interior Department to reverse its decision last month to allow construction to begin on the Willow Project, a controversial oil project in Alaska being developed by ConocoPhillips. The letter was sent to Interior Secretary Deb Holland demanding the Biden administration suspend the permits it approved for the project in the National Petroleum Reserve Alaska and reject any future applications to drill by ConocoPhillips files. 
Environmental groups and progressive Democrats have said that by approving the massive oil project, the administration contradicted President Joe Biden's pledges to rein in fossil fuel production to combat climate change. Numerous groups have also sued the administration in an attempt to overturn the decision. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Nirma Malaykul is the podcast producer. Brooke Hayes edited the podcast this week. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back on Monday. Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. Chevron is developing renewable diesel made with biofeedstock that can help reduce the life cycle carbon emissions of heavy-duty transport fuels today. Learn more at chevron.com.